Hey everyone, welcome to Becoming a Bible Nerd. This is Carrie Hunt, and we are working on our segment in Romans, Romans chapter 12 and 13. This is part two. And uh, before we get started, I do want to just talk about for a minute that as I started reading chapter 13, this is the Christian duties to the state, or that's the title of it, my book. I had a lot of questions. You know, as I was reading, so many thoughts came to mind, and as I was studying, I would go to some scholarship uh, journals. I would go to my favorite pastors that teach exegetically, and nobody was addressing the questions that I have. Well, then I remembered that um, a friend of mine that is in my small group where we're studying Hebrews together had sent me Romans chapter 13 and her thoughts. So I pulled it up. And as I started working through, I thought, well, I don't need to be the one teaching this. <laughs> this is something that my friend Judy Klein needs to talk to me about. And so I've invited her here today and I'm going to give her a minute to introduce herself and tell us a little bit about who she is. Well, I'm Judy Klein. And I'm married to Bill. We've been married 51 years and have two kids and four grandchildren that we love, all of them. And I'm grateful to say they all know the Lord and serve him in different ways. And we're very grateful for that. And I taught at Community Christian School for 27 years. And before that, I subbed and volunteered. So I was very involved and uh, loved every minute that I was there. And... Um, and I, I can honestly say every day when I walk in the door, I was joyful about what I was doing, mm -hmm. even when it was not always perfect and not always wonderful with all of my kids. But I still love all my students that I hear from or see or whatever. She and still so stays in going. contact with many of them. Yes, <laughs> and yes. tell us where you graduated uh, college from. I went. Uh, uh, Bill and I graduated from Rice University. And uh, I have a degree in political science and history. And I had enough math because I love math to also teach math. So. Oh, that worked out perfect. So Judy doesn't know I was going to say this, but Judy walked into my small group a couple of semesters ago where I knew her at church, but I really got to become friends with her in small group. And she is someone that, you know, the Bible talks clearly about older people mentoring younger people and immediately just watching her lifestyle and, and learning who she was. I knew that this was going to be a woman that I was just going to watch and learn from. And so that's who she, she's been a friend. She's a social butterfly. So so, like, we just speak the same love language. But she's also just been somebody who has influenced my life and somebody that I can watch and emulate um, how a Christian walk is, is supposed to be. And I just encourage everyone to be always on the lookout for that. So we are going to get started in chapter 13. I'm going to go ahead and read these first few verses. I think there's seven, seven verses that lead up to this. And I'm reading now the Holman Christian Standard. It says, Everyone must submit to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist are instituted by God. So then the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command, and those who oppose will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to a good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be afraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have its approval. For government is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason. The government is God's servant, the avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Therefore, you must admit only because of wrath, not only because of wrath, but also because of your conscience. For, um, and for this reason, you pay taxes, since the authorities are God's public servants, continually attending to these tasks. Pay your obligations to everyone. Taxes to those you owe taxes, tolls to those you owe tolls, respect those 
um, you owe and honor those who owe honor. Okay, so this sounds great as long as the government is good, but this can be very difficult to walk out and even to understand and process when the government is not following a godly conduct. So I want you to, I'm going to just open this up to Judy and just kind of share from your years of teaching what, what you've gained through this chapter. Well, I taught uh, the book that we used was American Government and Christian Perspective. And it was such an eye-opener to me because Rice is one of the most liberal colleges in the South, was then in the 60s and 70s, and it definitely is, is now. <laughs> and so I learned way more than my students did about God's Word and government and all, and, mm. and it was wonderful. I really enjoyed that. And I have... Uh, I was involved in the government from kind of a, a, a view because my uncle was a congressman. So I was in Washington, went to Congress, met a president, mm. I mean, all of those things. So, so this really was when I was a child. And so this really was eye-opening for me. But anyway, Romans 13, Paul writes that we are to submit to all authority. And uh, I, I can't even tell you how many times I'd say that in my classroom when I would teach this, submit to all authority, for all authority comes from God. And so in historical pr perspective, Nero had recently become the emperor and was blaming Christians for everything. Mm. And this was when Paul was in prison. And he wrote this. He wrote, submit to all authority. That's what I kept thinking through this. I was like, you're in prison. And, and, in you're, prison by and you're still encouraging the, to, the people to submit to the Roman government. And I, would, I did not exaggerate when I would tell the students, Nero would get his soldiers to pull Christians out of their homes and pour pitch. I mean, this, it's so vivid to me. Pour pitch on them and tie him up and light them to light his patio for his parties every afternoon. I mean, it was horrible. He was probably one of the worst. He was, yeah, one emperors. of the worst emperors. And so, and yet, Paul wrote, submit to all authority, for all authority comes from God. And Jesus suffered from Pontius Pilate. Mm -hmm. And yet he never told anyone to rebel against the authority. And that's, I think, what grew the, well, the crowd grew so frustrated because they thought, well, you're supposed to come and overthrow Rome. You're right. our savior. Yeah, and he had an opposite agenda. Yeah. And as we studied in Hebrews as well, you know, he, he did have that uh, totally different mindset from, from the Jews of the time. They mm -hmm. wanted a king that was going to come and conquer Rome. And that was not Jesus. That was not Paul later. Um, anyway, we watched the news today. And uh, I was trying to make it a little less today. But we hear about leaders throughout the world persecuting people for whatever reason. In China, it's been on the news this week. Mm. And uh, Russia, Syria, Iraq, Iran, they killed that woman in Iran because she didn't wear hair. We, oh, we don't know what's going to happen to the soccer players. You know, they lost. Yes. And so, you know, they were standing up against what the government was doing. Myanmar is one of the worst and has been, used to be called Burma. Yes. One of the worst. Afghanistan, Venezuela, Cuba are all a few countries where we currently mm. know that there's bad people in charge. And yet, Paul said, submit to all authority. Oh, so hard. For all authority comes from God. Now, I read, anyway, I'll keep going with this. 
then, then we look back in history and we think about Hitler and Mussolini. Stalin. I have that in my notes. Yeah, yes. Hitler and Mussolini and Stalin, they all killed millions of Jews. You know, we don't we talk about Hitler killing Jews, but Stalin did as mm. well. They they did a lot of that, and uh, so I mean, I had neighbors. I've talked about having living in a Jewish neighborhood. They had numbers. They had been in camps. Wow. So I mean, it was it's very real to me. Yes. During that time, because I saw. You saw it with your I own saw, eyes. Yeah. People, lovely people that, that had been in, in uh, camps or had lost parents in camps. Mm. So, uh, do we think of any of these people as servants of God? <laughs> Absolutely not. No. That's so and hard. Yet, the Bible says all authority comes from God. Well, you know, and this kind of makes me think of whenever we studied Daniel last semester and how obviously God put these different leaders in place because honestly, Israel didn't want to follow him as God. They, right. they had no longer allowed him to be their God. They started following false gods. And so he said, okay, he kind of, it's almost like I picture him throwing his hands up and say, you can have what you're asking you for. You it, you get Yes. It. And even in this chapter, we've, we talked earlier about God hardening people's hearts. And that's kind of hard to read sometimes. Like, God, God hardens people. But it's, he's hardening people's hearts who really have already hardened their hearts yeah. towards him. So it's just really him allowing, like, okay, you don't want to do things my way you get the results of that and unfortunately that is really awful dictators that yes. are going to rise yes. up and 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 mistreat people yeah I, several of the commentaries i read said said that that they um we're kind of, we kind of get what we deserve yes you know, we think oh everything should be wonderful because we're christians and yet we don't always do right yeah and i i still laugh about the the jews asking uh, the prophet Samuel, give us, give us a king. We yes. want a king like everybody else. Yes, and these. God was going to be their king, and that wasn't a, good no. enough for them. So once again, that's a perfect example where God's like, okay, I'm going to give you Saul. And yeah. I, I promise yeah. I would have been way better than Saul. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, we, we want what we want and and god will allow it because of free will yes. and unfortunately that will lead to something way worse than what we ever expected yeah, yes so not only does romans tell us to submit but when paul tells us if we rebel against these rulers then we are rebelling against god because he appointed them we can't i don't think it's i think it's very hard for us to see that knowing what's happening in china knowing mm -hmm. what's happened in afghanistan iran russia mm -hmm. ukraine and that that makes me think like so then what can we do well i think it's in revelation where it says if my people will humble themselves and pray yes. that's our job during these horrible seasons is to humble ourselves and say god we need you back yes. we're sorry we, we repent and even daniel repented on behalf of his nation he had god first but he still went before god and said i repent for my nation we yes. want to turn back to you yeah. so that is yeah. a, that is something that we're called to do during these seasons so when i was teaching i tried to instill in my students that we aren't to just submit to our top leaders, but federal, state, local, as well as others in authority over us. I mean, I don't care who you are. You don't love everything that your employer does right. or did or says. Um, we're to honor teachers, them. parents, those people in authority over us, we should submit to. Yeah. And there's a reward that comes with that. Oh, yeah. The obedience, I think sometimes we forget how important obedience is to God mm -hmm. when he tells us 
So, and one of my pet pet phrases is get forgiveness, not permission. <laughs> I do not think that is God's plan. <laughs> and I've been guilty of that a time or two. And I, I just, I, that's so one true. One of my though. dear friends that's a, that's a pastor, he was a youth pastor. And he would say that, and I was like, oh, just don't, that's what God wants. Yes, you're absolutely right. <laughs> so that's not, but wow, that's not always easy for any of us. And I, in the world we live in today, when you listen to the news and you hear about employers bowing to their employees about their political views mm. or what they perceive as their, and I think you're the boss, you're paying right. these people. Right. And you're letting them tell you how to do. Yeah. And uh, that's not always easy. Anyway, we are we see that we are to do right. My principal used to say, we are right, we do right because it's right to do right. Mm. Oh, and, that's a good saying. And so that was always, that was kind of her phrase. And, and we do, we do right because it's, it's right, right to, to do, do right. right. I think it's interesting, and I had to remind myself through this because it's all, you know, we, we talked in chapter 12, um, really about our call as Christians, how we were supposed to walk it out. And everything was about love. Yes. And then it moves on to chapter 13, submit to government authorities. But then the second half of the 13 goes back into love being our primary duty. And he kind of like sums up the two chapters. And so I ha- we have to recognize that this whole part of 13, submitting to authority, is sandwich in the middle of two long talks about love. Yes. And so this is how we love. Yes. And that and that is hard to wrap our minds around when again you have these horrific dictators that make anti-Christ decisions yes. for their country, but he's saying always take the road of love. Yeah. I, well, I was laughing. Um we see the United States. You hear people say, you know, we have a democracy, which really not. It's a, a federal uh, republic, mm-hmm. but we think the United States has a perfect government. There was no federal republics in the Bible. That's true. Number one. Number two, the perfect government was a theocracy governed by God. Mm. And of course, the children of Israel wanted a king like everyone else. So they gave, he gave them kings and some were great and some were not. A lot of them were not when you start reading Yes. Back. But and even when you get the great ones, that uh, they're only going to last. I mean, that that's the thing that just hit me is even if you have a great king like a David, they are they're temporal. They're right. going to die one day. They're and permanent. God's saying, I could be your eternal king. That's you wouldn't right. have any problems. And now, one common area we t- mentioned this before said some of the leaders were even chosen by God to punish the people, mm-hmm. uh, but thinking they knew better than God. Yeah. And we've talked about that in our small groups about groups that think they know better than God. Yeah, we, or they can change things mm-hmm. without godly planning. Yes, and I and I think that we should be involved in government, vote, and all of that. But we also have to realize that it's not going to ever be perfect. Yes, and that's hard to do to have the right attitude even behind closed doors. Like what we say when I think you had mentioned this. Sometimes things aren't going to go our way. That's We're not going right. to get who we voted for, and so then. The godly attitude is, what do we do now? Are we going to be part of the people yelling and complaining and watching for everything they do wrong so we can pounce on it and and complain about it? I'm guilty. (laughs) Or are we going to, I mean, again, submitting and honoring. That's one thing that always hit me hard is that just 
as a Christian, it just always made sense to me. Even if there was a president in place that I didn't prefer, I was still going to honor him for the office that it it was. And, you know, thankful that I live in a country where I have the freedom to do whatever I want, but I will choose to honor him just because of the office that he holds. I I was thinking about the other day, if President Biden was walking down the street, of course he wouldn't be, but if he was, would I stay on that side of the street and go greet him? If Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, I would. Mm-hmm. I would. Yeah. But I still, I'm not crazy about him, but I still would. Yeah. Because I would yeah, honor, we, like you said, yes, you honor the Treat office. him with love, yes. But anyway, he, does, he doesn't really tell us about overthrowing the government or a leader. He makes it clear by completely omitting that from our conversation. Well, that's where I told you that I would come in and kind of, you know, I have these questions. And so <laughs> I agree with what Judy says. This, it's There's never anything in scripture that's instructions on how to overthrow a government. And Jesus came with peace and, and they wanted someone to overthrow Rome. But at the same time, we do see in scripture several different scenarios where obviously the people didn't obey. Um, the, the biggest one that, um, you know, we see, and, and this is an obvious one, is Daniel and his friends rebelled when King Nebuchadnezzar said to bow down to him. And I think that's an easy one because we see, okay, well, that was breaking a, a, a very right. important commandment of God. And so that at some points we just see that we do have to take a stand. But then there's some that aren't so gray. I mean, that are more gray. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking like during the Holocaust, they weren't, you know, I don't think that um, Hitler was asking people to bow down to him, but they were, he was asking them to turn in their neighbors if they were hiding and they were going to do horrible things to the neighbors. And so you see many Christians that rose up in, in, in that season and pastors of churches that would use attic space in their homes to hide the Jewish people. And so we see, we see that happen. And then I also think that, I guess what my question is, is what do we do when biblical instructions collide and what I mean by that is they seemingly oppose an example would be it's the Sabbath and I'm supposed to keep the Sabbath holy because that's one of the Ten Commandments but then I'm also the greatest command is to love your neighbor as yourself and if I have a neighbor that needs the horse saddled and ran to a hospital because they're hurting well, if I saddle the horse and, and ride him, that's going to break the Sabbath. But then, so which one do I do? And I think the answer is obviously side yeah. with love. Yes. Side with love. And so this isn't just a blanket to allow people to do horrendous things in the government and us sit back and just watch it happen. That is not the context that Paul is saying, but on everyday life, even when the government is corrupt and even when we don't like what they are having us do, even when we don't like that they put their emperor's face on the coins and we have to trade the coins and that's an abomination, we still, at the end of the day, have to submit to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I think, like you just said, because we live in a free country compared to so many others, sometimes it's hard because we want to rise up. We've been, we've been allowed to protest and and it's really the thought of the american mind is to protest when you don't get your way right and i think we've also been programmed i've talked about this before in our small group it's not in the bible that children should rebel that children should go through a rebellious Mm. stage Mm. that's that's actually communism 
it's not you know everything has to change with a rebellion so when you so that's kind of been that, ingrained in yeah, our I mean, children through culture oh, well yeah. you know their teenagers are going to rebel yeah. but the bible says back to chapter 13 submit to all authority for all authority mm. comes from god and we don't always like it no and so again i think our our role when things are in place is to humble ourselves and pray yes. that's how we yes. fight these battles yes and I think I, well, I'll, uh, and then, then they go on and talk about paying, paying your money, paying your taxes and fees. And I know that there's groups of people that say, I'm not paying. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's clear here. That's cut and dry. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cut and dry. And, uh, of course, this lines up with Jesus in Matthew twenty two twenty. So give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and mm-hmm. give back and give God what is God's. Well, that's pretty, that's another right thing, black and white. Jesus said, Pay your taxes. Yeah. So, and and uh, the governing authorities have power over what we do with our property and how we act in public. But God has authority over our soul and our spirit. And that's what we have to keep focused on. Mm, that's so good and such a reminder. So, then what do we do when we can't agree with our leaders? First Timothy 2, 1, 2 says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. So, again, it's clear. Yes. We pray for our leaders. And this is so countercultural. Yes. To be quiet, to be peaceful, right. to be submissive. That's right. But, um, you know, we, we always have to return back to what does the Word of God say. And even if that feels so anti what you've been taught your whole life, right. we have to submit to that. And we remember who is our source, who is our provider, and who is our peace. And it's not the government. And he's not our source. It's not our source. And he's not our provider. God is. And I'm as guilty as anybody else of criticizing the leaders <laughs> instead of praying. And uh, leaders I'm not crazy about. But, but I, I, I'll close my part with the reminder of George W. Bush. I always think about this. He was considered a brilliant man in Texas. He graduated from Yale and Harvard Business School. And I mean, he was not a slouch, but he was kind of made fun of as being kind of dumb when mm. he was the president. And um, his speech was kind of slow moving. Of course, it was fine to us. <laughs> yeah, Texan, he's Texan. And he, and he was often made fun of. But after 9-11, people started praying for him and for, and for our leaders and our nations more than they had in who knows how long. Yeah, you're right. I saw people in church who had never darkened the door of church. In oh, I can remember being in Austin and there was a line down the highway coming to a church service. Yeah, it was yeah, so surreal. It was crazy. And they started praying for our president. He was like a different person. Mm-hmm. When uh, we would hear him speak, he was to the nation and make decisions for our country. What a difference when a nation prays for our leaders. Oh, that gives me chills, too. So. It really does. That's where, that's, it's key. We, you know, we worship in spirit and truth. So we have to just kind of take our eyes off of what our natural desire is to solve a problem and to always fight it yeah. spiritually. Our natural response. Yeah. That's so hard to do, but this was a good reminder. And like uh, Judy said, we're not 100% like we've got this down and, and, you know, we're living this perfect life where we submit to authority. This was a good reminder to us, teaching us, reminding us on the proper way to act. And again, it's always with love. This is what Paul was communicating. I'm going to go ahead and close out this this chapter. Um, We're not going to break it down, but I'm just going to read it and 
in all that he's telling us to do, it is always love at the center of the, of the reasoning wine. In verse 8, it says, Do not owe anyone anything except to love one another. For the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law. So when you love, you are fulfilling the law. The commandments say, don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't covet. Well, at the root of that, if you do any of those things, you're not loving your neighbor. You're hurting people. And that, that's the root of it all. So whatever other commandment, all are summed up in this. Love your neighbors yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. He says that twice. He opens it up and closes it with love being the fulfillment of the law. And then he tells us to put on Christ. Besides this, knowing the time, it is already the hour for you to wake up from sleep. Paul is telling the people of Rome, it's time to wake up because now our salvation is nearer than when it, we first believed. How much true or truer is this today than back then? This is 2,000 years later. We are so much closer to Christ's return. It is time for us to wake up spiritually. In verse 12, it says, the night is nearly over and the daylight is near. This hit me because we are living in darkness. This is a dark world. God is working at restoring all things. And in the end, there will be no sun. It will just be light from Jesus. And I can't even wrap my mind around what that means, but it is the most beautiful, warm feeling that he will light our day. So let us discard the deeds of darkness and, and, and I think that that is a message. If we have to discard something, that is just in us. We are programmed by our culture just to think anti-biblical ways. And he's saying, discard those deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. So let us walk in decency as the daylight and not carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy. All of these things are wrapped up in love. You're not loving your neighbor if you're involved in this, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no plans to satisfy fleshly desires. Why? Because this breaks up community. Well, we're closing this chapter. We'll go next week. We'll do two chapters again. We'll double up. It will be 14 and 15. So we'll see you next week. Happy reading.